Hare Krishna. Good morning to everyone. Those of you who are here in the temple compound with us and those of you who are listening in online or by radio or telephone, we welcome everybody. Hare Krishna to everyone. This morning, I'm glad you have chosen to join us because we know that everyone has busy mornings, most of us do. And yet, to spend a little bit of time with uh, philosophy is a major part of our day. Come in. I think the curtains will be open again very shortly. This morning, we're going to continue our reading in Srimad Bhagavatam uh, with chapter 5 of the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. And we're going to be focusing on text number four. So we invite you to get a copy of your Srimad Bhagavatam or look it up on vedabase.com and, uh, and join us as we read. Um, I've made the mistake of leaving my glasses at home, so I'm just going to have to do the best I can. I might not be able to read the... Uh, the Sanskrit transliterations, but uh, we will give it a try. So we will begin by offering an invocation to the Supreme Lord, which means to invoke His presence and His blessings on our humble attempt. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jai Gopi Janavallabha Girivada Dari Gopi Janavallabha Girivada Dari Yasodanandana Bajajana Ranjana Yasodanandana Bajajana Ranjana Yamunatira Manachari Jamunati Ramanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari 
Nitai Gaur Premananda Hari Hari Bo. Good singing, Sam. Jayom Vishnipad Paramahansa Paripitaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimad's Divine Loving Grace. Abhaya Chananaravinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki. Jayom Vishnupada Paramahansa Paripitaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimad's Divine Grace. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki. Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Ki. Iskan BBT Founder Charja Srila Prabhupada Ki. Iskan Guru Parampara Ki. Sri Rup Sri Sanatan Bhatta Raghunath Sri Jeeva Gopal Bhatta Dasa Raghunath Sat Goswami Prabhu Ki. Namatarja Srila Haridas Thakur Ki. Premzika Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaura Bhakta Vrindaki Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamakun Radhakun Giri Govardhanaki Shri Vrindavan Dhamaki Shri Mathura Dhamaki Shri Mayapur Navadvit Dhamaki Shri Jagannath Puri Dhamaki Shri Shri Radha Kalachanji Dhamaki Ganga Devi Ki, Namunamai Ki, Tulsi Devi Ki, Bhakti Devi Ki, Samaveda Bhakta Rinda Ki, Brihat Madanga, Transcendental Book and Prasadam Distribution Ki, Nitai Gauda Premananda, Hari Hari Bo. All glories to the assembled devotees, Hari Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees, Hari Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees, Hari Krishna. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Jaya Srila Prabhupada, Namo Vishnu Pataya, Krishna Pistaya Bhutale, Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namane, Namaste Sarasvati Deve, Gaudapani Pachanine, Nibhishesha Shinivari Pashtatade Shatarine, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanarottamam Devim Sarasvatim Yasan Tato Jayamudirayat Nasta Praishvabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavat Yatma Shloke Bhaktir Bhavari Naishtaki Gantarajimat Bhagavatam Ki Jai Once again today we're going to be reading from the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam chapter 5 text number 4 and I'm going to have to, um, let's see what I can do here. I think I'm going to have to read uh, only the translations. I don't have my glasses with me. Jai Shishi Radha Kalachanji Ki Jai.
Actually, actually, Dharma Prabhu is just coming to the temple room. Dharma, can you read the verse today for me in the sanctuary? Do you have your glasses? Or no? Okay. Can can you read the can you read the text today? It's it's uh, text number four. You can read. Can you read from this? But you, you I tell you what. Jigyasitam adhitam cha Brahmayatat sanatanam Tathapi sochasi Atmanam Akritartha iva prabho Translation by Shuddha Prabhupada Gijaya. You have fully delineated the subject of impersonal Brahma as well as the knowledge derived therefrom. Why should you be despondent in spite of all this, thinking that you are undone, my dear Prabhu? Purport. The Vedanta Sutra or Brahma Sutra compiled by Sri Vyasadeva is the full deliberation of the impersonal absolute feature and it is accepted as the most exalted philosophical exposition in the world. It covers the subject of eternity and the methods are scholarly. So there cannot be any doubt about the transcendental scholarship of Vyasadeva. So why should he lament? Thank you very much. Well, thank, thank you very much, Prabhu, for reading that for us. I'm sorry, but I have left both of my sets of glasses at home. <laughs> But we, uh, we're, in this chapter, we're reading about how Srila Vyasadeva has um, become very much despondent, even though he's, he's accomplished a monumental task of dividing the Vedic literatures into four separate uh, Vedas uh, for the benefit of the living entities who uh, have different inclinations. And he has also written the Mahabharat, which is an extensive history written in poetry. And it is intended for those classes of people like us who are not so scholarly. Um, uh, but of course, we also have the Srimad Bhagavatam for those who are a bit more inclined towards scholarly work. But for those who like a very good story with all the philosophy of the Vedas uh, included in it, Srila Vyasadeva has written the Mahabharata. And I suggest that if, if, you, if you've never read the Mahabharata, uh, that you please get a copy of it. Um, 
I, let's see, who is the person that has written this? Um, it's an abridged version of the Mahabharata. Um, Krishna Dharma, is that his name? Uh, who is it? Do you know the name of the person? Okay. Anyhow, our bookstore here at the temple has, uh, generally carries a copy of the Mahabharata, which is an abridged version translated into English. And so, after accomplishing all of this very scholarly work, uh, there is still something bothering Srila Vyasadeva, who is an empowered incarnation of the Supreme Lord. As we understand it, he is a jiva soul like us, but he is particularly empowered by the Supreme Lord to accomplish this uh, this wonderful work of literature, which is has been referred to by Srila Prabhupada as the literary incarnation of the Supreme Lord. So we've read and we've heard from others that we're to consider the Srimad Bhagavatam to be non-different from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So uh, about this time, Narada Muni, who is known as Devadeva, or the sage of the demigods, has come to the ashram of Srila Vyasadeva, high in the Him- Himalayas, uh, and uh, has, he, he of course is in touch with the Supreme Lord, so he knows what is in the heart of Srila Vyasadeva, and he knows that Srila Vyasadeva is not at all satisfied by what he has accomplished. He's still, there's something lacking. And so uh, Narada Muni comes to him uh, to give him some help. And uh, what seems at first to be criticism of, of Srila Vyasadeva by Narada Muni uh, we, we, if we look at it carefully, we see that it is not negative criticism, but it is a kind of criticism that helps a person to understand what the problem is, what problems he's having. So we have two main topics then that are, are being talked about during this first part of chapter five of the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. And uh, those two topics are uh, that are we're we're going to be talking about today here, in text number uh, four of chapter five, is uh, the two topics that I picked out are studying and criticizing, and we see examples of both. So one has to study. Thank you. Uh, to to show oneself to be a dedicated scholar. And so, uh, there, there, you know, when one begins to uh, take on a piece of literature or to create a piece of literature, then one has to give up considerable time that he would be performing other tasks. And there are so many other tasks that can be performed. And for anybody who has ever worked from his own home, uh, he knows how difficult it is to set aside the time, especially if he's the one that manages his own, his own time and decides what hours he's going to work. He has to set a particular schedule and adhere to that schedule very carefully. 
So this is called a sacrifice of time. But so the time that you would spend doing other things, you uh, you spend doing scholarly work, uh, such as taking something that has been written by other people, and and giving a critique of it, or creating something of your own writing. So the sacrifice of time is not an easy thing to do. And for one who has, who has actually taken that on, uh, then they, they, you realize how difficult it is. And I, the, the person who has just come to mind, um, is the person who has written the Harry Potter series of books, mainly for young people, but also enjoyed by a lot of older people. Uh, and, uh, let's see, what is her name? She goes by initials, and I cannot right now remember her name. I, I, maybe I'll, maybe that will come to me. But anyhow, I remember in a conversation that she had, in an interview that she had with someone else, that she talked about how difficult it was to give up time from her little daughter. She had a daughter. And that's kind of ironic, too, the fact that she had a daughter, and yet as she chose as her a main character, a young boy. And she, she, in talking in the interview, she, uh, she said that there are times when she gets started writing and the thoughts come to her so fast that she just has to sit and write and her daughter might be asking for something, asking for her attention. But, uh, uh, she just has to continue writing and writing because when the thoughts begin to flow, those of us who are familiar with the Vedic knowledge know that these thoughts are coming from outside of oneself. And the ancient Greeks uh, called this source of inspiration, there were certain goddesses that were referred to as the muse. And so uh, they would always invoke the presence or the blessings of the muse whenever they would undertake such a scholarly thing as writing uh, either a fiction work or a work of drama. And a lot of times whenever the drama that they wrote was to be performed on stage, they would uh, start out, they, they would have a speaker the person, person who comes out onto the stage, first of all, set, kind of sets the mood, sets the stage, uh, for what's about to happen. And so, that person will, uh, offer some respects or some acknowledgement to the muse, to the group of persons, demigods or goddesses, who have given the inspiration for the writing of the work and asked their blessings also for the performance of the work. So this sacrifice of time then is it, 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 if one is, is knowledgeable, then one has to uh, spend a certain amount of time in meditation and, and uh, begging that he get some help from outside himself. Um, so, uh, in that sacrifice of time, one also kind of has to prioritize one's own activities. And, and again, the person who has learned to do that from one's own home, to do work, 
then he knows what it means because there are so many demands that are being made, especially on a single parent, that whenever he sets about or she sets about to accomplish something, some piece of writing or some piece of critique of another's writing, then it requires then that one prioritize one's activities. Now, for those of us who are just ordinary people who don't uh, enter into scholarly work that much, we also have to set priorities on our time. For example, if we have to get up and go to a job in the morning uh, or sometime during the day, and, and yet we want to spend our morning hours, which are the best ones for doing any kind of creative work or spiritual work, then it's a very necessary thing for us to uh, uh, begin our morning program the night before by taking rest at a certain time, which will allow us enough rest, allow us to feel rested, allow us to uh, get our minds ready for doing this work that we have to do. And if we, if so, if we have to wake up early in the morning in order to do some very creative things or to do some very spiritual things or just, just simply meditation, um, even though it might not have a strong spiritual base, uh, it might, you know, some people choose to meditate, uh, in the mornings on, on the, the void are the the great impersonal feature of the Supreme Lord. Whereas those of us who are Vaishnav devotees of the Lord, we choose to meditate upon the Lord himself. And of the two, Krishna says, he tells Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita, that of the two, worshiping on me in my personal form is much, much easier than worshiping or meditating upon my impersonal form. So, um, if if we're going to accomplish something then significant in life, then we have to perform that sacrifice of time, and then we have to set priorities. And then a a, a person has to uh, give up some of today's fun activities for uh, some future gain. and for a person who is is uh, in school, uh, then that is that is a necessary thing to do, and it's something that we have all have done if we've ever uh, uh, decided to you know finish high school, finish college, uh, that we have to sacrifice some fun uh, right now for some gain in the future. We might even have to sacrifice uh, some personal income, because instead of uh, instead of studying and working hard to uh, to uh, make some some intellectual gains so that we can get ourselves a better job in the future, we could be out doing some other kind of job, earning money right now. But instead, many of us have to go into debt to to go to college nowadays. Fortunately for me and my sibling, my older sister, uh, our parents, even though they were ordinary working folks back in the 1950s and 60s, uh, they were able to send my, my sister and myself to school 
uh, to get a four-year degree, and we, when we left school, we owed absolutely nothing. Now, that's very unusual for today, but that's, that's an example of how uh, one can, uh, one nowadays especially, uh, a lot of students find themselves working at, at part-time or full-time jobs while they're going to school. And we happen to have a young lady in our community here who, according to what I have just read on this morning's Facebook uh, presentations, that uh, who has just finished her, uh, her schoolwork for her high school diploma, and she's finished it at the age of 15. And this is young Gandharvika, who is the daughter of, of Mother Chiara, and uh, her husband, Triavihotra, and uh, very nice devotees here in our community, and, and she has a younger brother also, uh, but she is the older one, and she is about to enter into school at Eastfield College, which is our Dallas County Community College, which is closest to our temple community. It's just a short drive away, about 15 minutes maybe away. And uh, young Gandharvika is going to begin doing even more scholarly work than she's been doing. And uh, she is a very fortunate young lady who has got a, a, a parent who has stayed at home and helped her complete her entire high school career as, as a homeschool person. And I taught for many, uh, many years, I guess maybe 14 of my last 16 years of my professional life, out at Eastville College um, in the Department of English. And my job was to teach uh, young incoming freshmen and sophomores uh, about how to, how to compose a, a college-level essay, how to do writing in such a way that, that they could, uh, they could, handled their other courses which which call for quite a bit of discipline in writing and thinking or analyzing. And so uh, we want to congratulate uh, Gandharvika for having completed her homeschooling, which took quite a bit of discipline. And according to her father, who has been helping direct her, uh, she's she's done quite a good job of that. So uh, she had to give up something, uh, some of her youth, um, that she could have been out enjoying something or maybe going to a job and making money so she'd have money, lots of money to spend on things that she wants. She gave those up in order to do some serious studying. And as I understand it, she's interested in, in going into medicine at, at and in her uh, in the latter part of her college uh, years, and of course, the first part of her college years will be preparing for that, taking courses like biology and physiology, a lot of things like that, that to help her get ready. So, um, uh, you know, we have to choose the best goal for our lives uh, when we're. Uh, deciding how to use our time, whether to use it in studying or whether to use it in working, we have to determine what is going to be the goal of our life. And so those of us who have come into contact with this uh, International Society for Krishna Consciousness, we know that the goal of everyone's life should be ultimately to render service to the Supreme Lord 
who is the one who determines what our lives are going to be like and uh, at the end of this lifetime, he will determine what we're ready to go on to in our next lifetime. So choosing one's goal in life is, is, a, is a big responsibility. So there is um, um, another aspect here of this, of this uh, studying and, and doing scholarly work. And one is never to become completely um, satisfied with one's accomplishments. As we can see that Srila Vyasadeva has kind of set the example for us. And, uh, you know, one of the problems with accomplishing something that is significant in our society is that we receive praise from other people if we've accomplished something. And just like uh, this young lady that we've been talking about, Gandharvika, she is going, she's already receiving praise from other people. One of her older um, uh, associates here in the community, a young woman who has grown up in our community, um, uh, has also done schooling, her schooling here in the community at our community school, our TKG Academy. And she also did considerable amount of work in, at her home in getting ready to go to college. And she has just congratulated Gandharvika on Facebook, telling her and that, uh, that this is Gopi Krishna that I'm talking about, the young lady who is, who is now a parent. She's got children of her own. She finished her, her college degree and she's doing very well as a, as a mother. But tolerating praise that comes from other people is something that is difficult. So we see that when Narada Muni came uh, to uh, to the ashram of Srila Vyasadeva uh, to help him understand what problem he was, he, he started out by, uh, by um, giving him some praise. But of course... Uh, we have to realize the source of our own intelligence and our own drive. So um, when, when people start praising us, sometimes that affects our ego a little bit detrimentally to us. It can make us feel like, oh, I'm responsible for all this. I deserve this credit that I'm getting. And certainly we agree that the person deserves to uh, the you know, whatever credit, whatever um, uh, words of of praise that we can heap upon them, uh, because we know how difficult it is to go through those courses just to get through high school. But if one then gets a little bit of an inflated ego, then that can cause some pretty significant problems. So one has to keep in mind then. Uh, who who has given one the intelligence and the drive to accomplish what he has done? Uh, another another problem that we have, which it, we can use to our advantage, is comparing what we have accomplished with the accomplishments of other people. And I remember that back when I was in high school. I was a I was a member of our uh, small high school band, and I played trumpet. 
And I got to the point that I, I felt that I was pretty good. And so maybe I had a little bit too much ego. So occasionally we would have these, these band, uh, let's see, they, they were, they were like, um, clinics that we would go to. And we would have either students come from other places around our area, uh, to the school where I was for a weekend. And we would learn from, from the, uh, conductors who would come also with them would learn from them, uh, you know, how, how to play music better. And I, I, it didn't take me very long then to be around students from other schools who were considerably better than I was. So even though we compare our own accomplishments with those of others, sometimes, uh, in, in a way that inflates our ego, Sometimes it, it, as in my case, it helped to quieten down my ego because I found out that there were persons who were a lot better performers of music than I was. And so this is something that, uh, that our young lady here, uh, Gandharvika, is going to have to deal with. Uh, so we have to recognize then, uh, that, um, that our accomplishments can be rather small compared to those of other people. But that is not necessarily a bad thing. Still, we've accomplished something by dedicating a portion of our lives. So that's not a bad thing to come up against people. And and when anyone goes into a college classroom, they're certainly going to have to observe what's going on around them. And maybe they will be like I was, that they will find that there are other people who are quite a bit sharper in one area or another than I was. And we, you know, here in this temple community, we also have this kind of a situation that we can compare ourselves with other people who are more advanced than ourselves. And that's what we would really recommend that a person do, to look at the lives of other people who have come up through Krishna consciousness and who are accomplishing things that are much superior to whatever we have accomplished in our lifetimes. So, that's part of being a scholar and becoming a scholarly person. Now, the other uh, side of our topic today was that of criticizing. And so, we have to be really careful about offering uh, judgments to people, because sometimes uh, we we will uh, we we will have to examine our own motivation in criticizing other people, uh, and and that that will make the difference between criticizing and gossip. Now, criticizing can be a very positive thing; it can help someone else to improve. That uh, some portion of their life, some aspect of their life. For example, if a person is is not chanting very good japa in the temple room here, and someone else overhears it, then uh, then that person who overhears it might want to say something to that person. But um, we have to really care about the effects 
that our words have on other people and and their on and the attitude that they have um, and so we if we don't have a relationship uh with another person that allows us to speak with them and offer some positive criticism about that person's uh activities uh then then we might want to go to another one and this this is a topic everybody who is who is uh it, it, that was addressed by, I think, Giriraj Swami Maharaj at one of the lectures that he gave here during this, uh, this Kirtan 50 that we just celebrated right at the end of the year, and, which has gotten to be a very constant thing. And so uh, he gave several lectures, and those are archived on our org website. And so if you did not get a chance to listen in on all of his lectures that he gave, not only he, but also Guru Prasad Maharaj and uh, our temple president, uh, um, Nityananda Prabhu, I, then, and then I would suggest that you go back and listen to those lectures. And on one of these lectures, um, Girudad Swami Maharaj was making the suggestion that you have to be, if you don't have a, a relationship with another person and you come at that person trying to tell him everything that is wrong in, the, in his spiritual life, what he's doing wrong, you're not likely to get very good reception. And if you turn a person off like that, Turn them off so that they really don't want to have any relationship with you because of the way you spoke to them. Then you're probably not the person who should be speaking to that person. You should be talking to someone, maybe one of that person's peers who had a good relationship who could speak in a much nicer way than perhaps you could do. And so, uh, it's, it is, when we when we want to offer some criticism because we actually care about a person and we, and we want to help that person out in his spiritual life or even about something that he's doing in his, in his family life um, which might involve uh, income or it might involve his relationship with his uh, spouse or his children uh, then it, it, is, it is a good thing for us to want to help someone who is struggling, who is having problems. But we may have to make that decision that another person is, is, a, is probably more capable of doing that for that particular person than we are. So we have to know who that person is that can produce some positive change then in another person's life. If we can't do it ourselves, or if we have some doubts about it, um, then we can even talk to somebody else and ask them, am I the right person to be going to this other person who is who is having some difficulty in his spiritual life now? Or would it be better that someone else, maybe the temple president, or maybe just another person in the community who happened to be a close friend of the person that we're trying to help. So this is a way that we can offer then a judgment or encouragement to someone 
to make some kind of change in their life that would be beneficial to them. We can also act as the um, as the proper representative of our spiritual master and of Krishna. Any time that we want to help someone else out in their spiritual life, then certainly we should think about ourselves as not being a great authority, but rather as one who is representing our spiritual master or our disciplic succession. And so if, if, if we have some doubts about that, then we have to, uh, we have to see, uh, from someone else before we start offering, a, a, you know, instruction to another person about how they can make their life better. So, um, it's, it's very valuable then, um, to get the opinions of other people as to what kind of criticism we can offer to this person who is having difficulty and how it can be said in such a way that it is, it is a positive influence on them instead of being something negative. So we certainly don't want to cause other people to feel that, oh, we're just looking at what you're doing uh, to find some reason to criticize you. We don't want them to feel like that. We want them to feel that I'm your friend. Uh, and if there's anything that I can do to help you in getting through this troublesome time that you seem to be going through, then you should please let me know. So we have to have criticism of, of ourselves, don't we? Um, we have to have somebody else tell us, Rupanuga, you're not the person to be talking to this one who is having some difficulty. He or she uh, may need to talk with someone entirely different from you. But I, I don't think that you're the one to do it. And whenever we hear somebody say something like that, then we need to, we have to take it to heart. Arjuna on the chariot, uh, uh, with Krishna as his charioteer, uh, he was in the midst, he was in the throes of a big decision whether he was going to go ahead and fight and kill his countrymen, kill even people who were kin to him, or whether he was going to make his own decision and decide to go to the forest and become a beggar, which is what he seems to have concluded. Because he was concerned that all kinds of negative reactions would come to him if he went ahead and, and performed this, his duty as a chatriya or as a warrior. Uh, uh, so Krishna, Krishna was there telling him that Arjuna, you know, you're speaking very intelligent words about not wanting to cause destruction of your dynasty, not wanting to cause pain and hardship to the people that you care about. Uh, however, uh, you need instructions from me, and I can tell you that you will be better off doing your duty, performing your duty, even though you might do it with some faults than to try to perform the duty of another, in other words, to, to become a beggar, even though you might think that you would be faultless. Have we lost our signal? It seems that our signal is completely gone. I don't know what's happened here, Mr. Bowen.
Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Okay, I think we're back now. Thank you. We lost we lost our signal here just for a moment. Our amplification. Pardon? Technical difficulties. We're technically challenged. So today we, I'll just summarize. Today we've been talking about um, um, doing scholarly work and also criticizing the work that has been done by other people or that is being done by other people. And the reason that we've chosen that topic was that Narada Muni has appeared at the ashram of Srila Vyasadeva. And even though Srila Vyasadeva has done some extreme scholarly work that is beyond the range of ordinary human beings, uh, still he is not completely satisfied. And so Narada Muni has shown up to help him to understand what the source of his despondency is. The feeling that he has not accomplished what he should have accomplished. And so we're going, as, as we move on through this chapter, uh, we're going to have other uh, persons speaking about what Narada Muni has suggested to Srila Vyasadeva, how to solve the problem of his feeling of inadequateness and and uh, give him suggestions as to what he can do to carry on with his life. So we're, with that, we're going to stop now. And uh, I'll ask Mr. Bhagavan Prabhu, do you want to make any comment about this? Is Narada Muni, is he correct in coming and telling such an advanced soul? And that microphone it should be working. It's got batteries in it if you'd like to speak into it. Is he is he correct by coming and and giving some opinion about the work that Srila Vyasadeva has done, or should he have just let uh, Vyasadeva go ahead and wonder about it and hope that sooner or later he's going to figure out what the problem is? Did Srila Vyasadeva want uh, ask for advice? He what? Did he ask for advice? Well, he did not ask for advice. He was approached by Narada Muni. But we understand that Narada Muni is very close to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that uh, he he knows, he knew what was in Shilavyasadeva's heart. He knew what the problem was before he came. But instead of getting on his case saying... You know what, it, what? What? What's your problem, my friend? It, you know, have, do you have some imperfection that is causing you to doubt whether you have done the job properly? Maybe, maybe you've concentrated too much on your own desires and your own bodily concept of life. You know, he could have said like that, but he didn't. He actually came in with words of praise, telling telling him what. Telling him what a nice job he had done in compiling the and putting together the four different Vedas, constructing the four different Vedas, and in and in writing the the Mahabharata. So um, this this is the difference. 
So uh, the answer to your question was no, Shilagas Dave did not come to him asking for help. But rather he was he was sitting there by himself apparently in his ashram, uh just pondering over this thing. Why why is it that I'm feeling as I'm feeling? I'm not feeling as though I've done a complete job. And that's when Narada Muni appears. So my question is can we also take that position of Narada Muni, and that is offer some constructive criticism without making another person feel as though we're simply complaining about them and, and trying to, you know, shut them down? Do you wish to comment? Well, if I get on that subject, you immediately think of your spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami, who is known for uh, what they called the hot sauce, or known as he, he was known for being uh, the hot tamale, or one who gave uh, hot sauce. Or when we were on the Radhadamadar party, we had a choice, so we. Could, Dial a bhajan or dial the sauce. If you wanted a lecture from Tamal Krishna Goswami, you would dial the sauce. Of course, dial a bhajan is naturally more popular with a song sung by Vishnu Jan Maharaj. But the, uh, the sauce was delivered in such a way that it, it was never derogatory. Something about the way Tamal Krishna Maharaj, he would correct somebody, but he would it would never be with, um, you know, calling them names or deriding their personal character, or like a lot of people do. When people are don't, when people are upset with somebody else just because that other person interferes with their sense gratification, that chastisement doesn't have any love to it. It's it's just you know because you're bothering me, I want you to change. But with Tamal Krishna Goswami, it was always to correct the person, make them better in their service. You know, he would send a cook outside. A cook would come in with something. If he, if the cook didn't cook it right, then he would reject it, he, and they'd have to take. It, they'd have to start again. They'd have to do it right. So he would correct people, but he wouldn't. He didn't seem to deride them, or you know, so I. I would say that Tamal um, Krishna Maharaj exemplified that, that he had that way of correcting people without criticizing them. If you, if you remember what I'm talking about. Is that, is that, what, what does it take to, for one to get in that position that he can, uh, he can correct someone without offending that other person? How does a person get into the position of being like that instead of having to say to himself, well, you know, he probably is going to be offended if I say anything to him. So maybe I should wait and let somebody else talk to him. In, in, in other words, instead of correcting him himself, maybe Tamal Krishna Goswami should have, should have said, well, you know, if Prabhupada sees a fault in him, I'll let... Prabhupada straightened it out. 
So how does how does a person get to the point then of of making of of being able to criticize a person like that without having to send that person to some higher authority? Why would he have done that? Why shouldn't he have said, uh, "I'm just going to I'm just going to you know go talk to Prabhupada about that." You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to try to instruct you about it because you're probably not going to listen to me anyhow. Maybe because he cared. Like they say, it's not how much you know, but how much you care. You think that is the determining factor uh, that changes uh, gossip into positive criticism? Anyhow, that's what I've heard in the past that um, the difference between gossiping about someone and and uh, talking in a positive, critical way is the attitude that you have toward that person. Uh, the, whether you have that person's uh, interest in mind or whether you just want to put the other person down because you feel that uh, he's just he's just been like a and and I've I've been around devotees myself and sometimes I found myself doing that uh, maybe maybe speaking negatively about what someone else is doing because it seemed like something that was you know that was the wrong kind of thing to be doing to me but then. Um, it, I, it has been pointed out to me that. You can you can make that kind of criticism of another person if you really care about the, and this is, this is what you're saying also as I as I'm understanding that if you really care about the person then you can say things then that might seem a little harsh but they're really meant to change the behavior of that person. Of course, you have to have the kind of relationship with that person that will allow them to hear that in a positive way and to allow them to know that you really care about them. Instead of just saying, like, you're the scum of the earth, I wish you'd just get away. You know, if if the other person winds up feeling that we're, that that's what we're saying, then you've lost your communication with that person. And there's no possibility then that you're going to be able to help that person. But if you let that person know that you honestly care about them and, and love them, uh, but you see something that maybe is affecting their relationship with someone else, then you might be the person then that can talk to that, that person who is causing the offense to someone else. You might be the person who can do that but in some cases, you might have to say, "I'm I'm just not going to touch this. I'm I'm going to speak with someone else who is a closer friend of this person and let that person deal with it." And sometimes, I guess, we have to do that. All right, we're going to end now. I want to thank everyone for coming and joining us for a little philosophical discussion. It's a nice way to get the day started talking about transcendental literature such as the Srimad Bhagavatam. So we offer our respectful obeisances and to all the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord who are just like desire trees, who fulfill the desires of everyone and who are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. 
Vanchakal patarubhyascha kripasandubhya evacha patitanam bhavanibhyo vaishnavebhyo namodama anantakoti vaishnavrindaki jai Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Shishivara Kalachanjidam ki jai, Gaura Premananda, Hari Hari Bo.